morning. The scripture reading for this morning, the Old Testament will be 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 through 11 and verse 16. It's on page 480 of your few Bibles. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. You are the one to build me a house to dwell in. I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved all of the Israelites, did I ever to say to any of the rulers whom I commanded to my shepherd, my pe- to shepherd my people in a flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut you cut off all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did from the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over Israel. I will also give them rest from their enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This morning's New Testament reading comes from Luke 1 chapter 26 through 38, and that's found on page 1588 of your pew Bibles. To Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called 
the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, who is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The words of God. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning may our hearts echo the words of Peter. You alone have the words of life. To whom else can we go? So Lord, seeking life, seeking sustenance, seeking a word so that we may live, we come to you. Meet us in this place, O God. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. On Thursday, we had our blue Christmas service. I know a few of you were here for that service. Blue Christmas is a service that many churches offer during the years, usually falling on the longest night, for people to bring their sorrow and their sadness into the presence of God in a ostensibly joyous and happy season. It's not for everyone. And so the church carves out a space for lament and for sadness. Because, friends, that's part of the human experience, isn't it? And God desires us to bring that into His presence, where we can find hope and healing. So after that service, which I think was uh, hopefully powerful and meaningful to those who attended, I was talking with, uh, with someone in the back as we were leaving. And this person was recounting a bit of their story and the sadness in their life that had caused them to come to the service that evening. And then he looked at me and he said, I didn't expect life to go like this. And as I thought about that, I realized what a ubiquitous, what a universal echo that sentiment likely is. How many of you can find resonance with that? I didn't expect life to go like this. Maybe some of you are living that life that you didn't expect to go a certain way right now. Hope and longing is a thread that weaves its way through all all the scriptures. Hope and longing for God to show up and to do something. Because if there's one thing that's constant and true all the way down through the ages in scripture, it's this. That what that person shared with me at the back of the sanctuary on Thursday is something felt by God's people all through Scripture. That their lives were unfolding in ways that they never could have anticipated. Sometimes for the good. Sometimes in destructive, sorrowful ways. Or just perhaps in a different way than they had anticipated. Here on the last Sunday of Advent, a season that's about waiting. The church gives us these two readings. One from 2 Samuel and one from Luke chapter 1. 
And it may seem odd in this season when on the fourth Sunday of Advent this year, which falls on Christmas Eve, which makes it kind of a little bit strange liturgically. Do we celebrate Advent or do we move into Christmas Eve? And a lot of churches try to probably put their feet in both because we're trying to straddle that a little bit. So here, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, in this season of waiting, of longing, of anticipation, the church gives us these two readings. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, this is what has happened. David has gone up into the hill country of Judah. He's retrieved the Ark of the Covenant. And he's come back and he's established the capital city in Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant is... And now David wants to do what? Those of you listening carefully to when Bob read Scripture, what does David want to do? He wants to build a church. He wants to build a house. He lives in a beautiful palace. And the presence of God dwells in a tent made out of animal skins. And so David says, I have a house. God should have a house. And so he's going to build a house. A place of worship. And first the prophet Nathan, who's the the temple prophet, says that's a great idea. God would like that. Build God a house. But then that night, the prophet Nathan has a dream and God comes to him and God says, no, no, no. I don't want a house. And then in this paradoxical turn of events, he says, I'm going to build David a house. Don't build a house for me. I'm going to build David a house. Now what does God mean? Is he going to erect a a wood or a stone dwelling for David? No. He's talking about a different kind of house. He's talking about a preservation of his lineage. That through the line of David, and we see this fleshed out, especially in the prophets, prophesying centuries after David, we we, we find that they believe the Messiah... The promise was the Messiah would come in the line of David. And God says to the prophet Nathan, for David, that David's reign would have no end. His kingdom would be without an end. Now David is the ruler in Jerusalem in roughly 1000 BC. And his reign goes on to 587 B.C., when his son Zedekiah, his sons are taken in front of him, they're killed, they're taken away into captivity by the Babylonian Empire. Of all the things that happened at that event, which was traumatic for the people of God, the temple was destroyed, the capital city was razed, their culture, their history, their faith, all of it, seemed to collapse under the weight of the Babylonian Empire. But you know, one of the promises, one of the things that the people longed for, that they were shaken by, that word that was given to Nathan in 2 Samuel 7. David's kingdom ended. His last ancestor was taken into captivity. And so then the people were caught in between the word of God, who God had said that David would have no end, his reign would have no end, his kingdom would endure forever. And yet, the temple was destroyed. 
The capital city was raised. And they were taken into captivity. Talk about life unfolding in a way they didn't expect. And so for hundreds of years, there's this silence. And then an angel comes to a young woman, probably 14, maybe 15 years old. A virgin who's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And if you go into the genealogy in the book of Matthew, we find that Joseph is what? In the line of David. In fact, Matthew takes great pains to establish that. And because Joseph was engaged to Mary, that means legally now Mary is what? In the line of David. See, friends, it's important that we, that we delve into this and that we know this in Scripture because the people to whom these events actually happened were formed by all this. So when Mary becomes with child providentially through the Holy Spirit. And it's told that the baby inside her is of the house of David and his kingdom will continue eternally. They're hearing in their mind the words of Nathan, the prophet of God, given a thousand years ago that someone would come, that David's line would have no end. Do you think that that unfolded as the people expected? Not at all. Not at all. Now let's think about Mary for just a moment. 14, 15 years old. An angel comes to her. Now friends, let's think about angels for just a moment. We got some cutouts of some angels here. You saw some beautiful angels at the Christmas uh, cantata last week. There's some angels adorning the, um, the nativity. Angels biblically look nothing like what you see in religious art and in popular culture writ large. What's the reaction that everyone has in the Bible when they see an angel? Ah! There's a reason that every time an angel shows up, they start with, don't be afraid. They've got like, you know, 72 wings and eight eyeballs and six heads. I mean, come on. They're, they're a little odd looking, to say the least, if not downright frightening. And so an angel appears to Mary. And Mary's a little concerned. And what's one of the first things the angel says? Don't, don't be afraid. And then he tells her what's going to happen. That God's spirit will come on her. And she'll be with child. And this child who's in her is the Messiah in the line of David. And so Mary, you know, the scripture seems to be so understated here. Imagine if you would, now this is probably going to be hard for most all of you. Imagine you're a 14 year old girl. And you're engaged to this guy. And now you're told that you're going to have a baby. But, you know, biology works then the way biology works now. And so Mary's wondering, how is this possible? How is this going to happen? And think, if you will, of all the ramifications of what's happening. In the book of Matthew, when the angel comes to Joseph in a dream, just before that dream, Joseph is thinking, 
how can I dismiss her, call this off quietly without bringing shame upon her? Because for a young woman like Mary to be pregnant before she's married, that would have ended her life. She would have been cast out from her community. She would have been ostracized socially. And Joseph wants to not bring that on her, but to let her go. All of this is swirling around in Mary's mind when the angel shows up and tells this. But notice what the angel says. Does the angel explain it all to her? Does he tell her biologically exactly how things are going to happen? No. The angel says, listen, with God, nothing is impossible. His word won't fail. And then Mary says, well, then let it be according to your word. Do you think Mary's life as the angel is there before her and the angel telling her what is to come? Do you think Mary, the life that she had planned in her mind, that this was part of it? No! You see, friends, just like the ancient Israelites in the time of David, and just like the Israelites all the way down through his kingdom and his reign and his rule, and then his ancestors all the way through captivity up to the birth of Jesus. The people are waiting for God to show up and to act and to do something, but none of it happens the way they had planned. There's one thing that seems to be consistent about life, reflected on the pages of Scripture, almost as a mirror to our own lives. It's that nothing seems to go as planned. That seems to be a constant. And yet in the middle of that, it seems to me we have two options open to us. When things happen in life, good, bad, joyful, indifferent, tragic, regardless of what it is, We can shut off from God and doubt His goodness and His providence. Or we can adopt the attitude of Mary and say, okay, in Mary, there's a confident trust that while life may not be playing out the way that we expect, we follow a God who is good and a God who so often plays the long game. God accomplishes His purposes in the lives of a nation and in the lives of people like you and me so often in ways we never would have anticipated or expected, in ways that we may not have planned for ourselves. But Mary, in a moment, encapsulates what confident trust looks like in a God who has kept his promises and will keep his promises. I love this picture up here on the screen. Do you know who this is? This is a rendering of Mary and Elizabeth. Elizabeth, to whom Mary goes in the scripture, uh, just after where Bob read for us this morning. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And she goes to see Elizabeth and they rejoice together. You know, after, listen, sorry men, after Elizabeth's husband 
has a reaction to her being pregnant completely different than Mary's reaction to her being pregnant. So when Elizabeth's husband finds out, what does he do? Zechariah. He laughs. He mocks it. This can't be. We're old as dirt. (laughs) But what do Mary and Elizabeth do? They receive the news. They contemplate it. And then they act in trust. Because they believe that God, who has taken them perhaps in a place that they never would have anticipated, but that His goodness and His grace will see them through. They're examples and models to us. You know, in the book of 2 Samuel... When David goes and he retrieves the Ark of the Covenant and he brings it back and he wants to build a house for it. And the prophet Nathan, after hearing from the Lord, says, No, David will, or God will build a house for you. We find that in Jesus Christ, we have the perfect fulfillment of the presence of God among us. You see, friends, in the Old Testament, in David's day, the house, the God lived in the ark. That housed his presence. But you couldn't touch it. And you could only go near it after certain rituals and through certain people. But through Mary's confident trust, in trusting this plan of God in her life, she brings God himself into the world. And now, because of her obedience... God Himself walked among us and continues to walk among us. And who holds us close and who loves us through all the changes of life. Through all of its ups and downs. Through all of the ways that it has taken us that we never would have planned or could have anticipated. So friends, the challenge for you and me today as we conclude this season of waiting and hope and anticipation is this. Who will you be this morning? And how will you react to the changes of life that will inevitably come? Will you shut yourself off? Will you mock it? Will you deride it like Zechariah? Or when God wants to do something new in your life, Will you receive it in trust like Mary? May we be like Amen.